Hello there. So just a quick word from me at the outset. What you're about to listen to is a recorded version of a short talk that I delivered at the World Summit of AI back in October of 2019. And this talk is a brief excerpt or nugget from my book, Automation and Utopia, which has been out for the past couple of months and which I've been promoting in various venues. So if you like this talk, you might like the book, you might like to check it out and perhaps consider reviewing it or recommending it to friends or colleagues. I should maybe add at the outset that there is an error in this talk. I discuss a famous experiment by B.F. Skinner, and at one point I refer to the fact that he presented rewards to pigeons at random intervals. That's not true. He actually presented them at regular timed intervals. But the important point is that these intervals were unconnected to any of the actions of the pigeons. So I just wanted to get that correction in at the outset. For those of you who are wondering, you know, what's happening with this podcast as well, I've been taking a little bit of a break, and I will be coming back with some interview episodes at, towards the end of November and the start of December. So I haven't discontinued it. Things will be recommencing shortly. All right, so that's enough for me. I'll hand over now to the recorded version of the talk. The science fiction author Arthur C. Clarke once formulated three laws for thinking about the future. The third law states that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. The idea here, I take it, is that if you took someone from the Paleolithic and transported them to the modern world, they would be amazed by what we have achieved. Supercomputers in our pockets, flying machines to get us from one side of the world to another in less than a day, vaccines and antibiotics that cure diseases that used to kill most of us in childhood. To them, these would be truly magical times. It's ironic, then, that many people alive today don't see it that way. They see a world of materialism and reductionism. They think we have too much knowledge and control, that through technology and science we have made the world a less magical place. Well, I am here to reassure these people. One of the things that I think AI is going to do is, it's that, it, is that it's going to re-enchant the world, and kickstart a new era of techno-superstitionism, if not for everyone, then at least for most people who have to work with AI on a daily basis. Let me explain by way of an analogy. In the late 1940s, the behaviorist psychologist B.F. Skinner, famous for his experiments on animal learning, got a bunch of pigeons and put them into separate boxes. Now, Skinner had a penchant for this kind of thing. He seems to have spent his adult life torturing pigeons in boxes. Each box had a window through which a food reward would be presented to the bird. Inside the box were different switch in, switches that the pigeons could press with their beaks. Now ordinarily Skinner would set up an experiment like this in such a way that pressing a particular sequence of switches would trigger the release of the food reward. But for this particular experiment he decided to do something different. He decided to present the food reward at random intervals, completely unrelated to the pressing of the switches. He wanted to see what the pigeons would do as a result. The findings were remarkable. Instead of sitting idly by and waiting patiently for their food to arrive, the pigeons took matters into their own hands. They flapped their wings repeatedly. They danced around in circles. They hopped on one foot, convinced that their actions had something to do with the presentation of the food. Now Skinner and his colleagues likened what they were doing to the rain dances you see performed by various tribes around the world. 
They were engaging in the rudiments of superstitious behaviors to control an unpredictable and chaotic environment. Now, it's important that we think about this situation from the pigeon's perspective. Inside the Skinner box, they find themselves in a world that is deeply opaque. Their usual foraging tactics don't work. Things happen to them, but they don't really understand why. They cannot cope with this. Their brains rush to fill the gap and to create the illusion of control. Now, what I want to argue here is that modern workers, and indeed all of us, in an environment suffused with AI, can end up sharing the predicament of Skinner's pigeons. We can work inside boxes, fed information and stimuli by artificial intelligence. And inside these boxes, stuff can happen, work can get done, but no one is quite sure if and how their actions make a difference. They end up resorting to odd superstitions and rituals to make sense of what's happening. Now this might sound far-fetched, but it's not. You will know that there's been a lot of talk in recent years about the black box nature of AI decision support tools. For example, the machine learning systems used to support risk assessments in bureaucratic, legal, and financial settings. These systems all work in the same way. Data from human behavior gets fed into them, and they spit out a risk score or recommendation to human decision makers. The exact rationale for those risk scores, i.e. the logic the systems use, is often hidden from view. Sometimes this is for reasons that are intrinsic to the coding of the algorithm. Other times it is because it is deliberately concealed, or people just lack the time, inclination, or capacity to decode the system. The metaphor of the black box, however, is, I think, misleading. It assumes that it's the AI that's inside the box, and that we are trying to peer in from the outside. But increasingly, this is not the case. Increasingly, it is we who are trapped inside the box, being sent signals and nudges by the AI, and not entirely sure what is happening on the outside. Consider credit scoring algorithms. Many times, neither the decision maker, i.e. the human in the loop, nor the person affected knows why they get the score they do. The systems are difficult to decode and often deliberately concealed to prevent gaming. Nevertheless, the impact of these systems on human behavior is profound. The algorithms, in effect, construct an environment in which humans have to act within the parameters it sets. There are now many websites dedicated to helping people to reverse-engineer the systems, often giving dubious advice about what behaviors and rituals they need to follow to improve their scores. If you follow this advice, it is not too much of a stretch to say that you will end up like one of Skinner's pigeons, flapping your wings to maintain some illusion of control. Now, some of you might say that this is an overstatement. The opaque nature of AI is a well-known problem, and there are now a variety of technical proposals out there for making it less opaque and more explainable. These technical proposals have been accompanied by increased legal safeguards that mandate greater transparency. But we have to ask ourselves a question. Will any of these solutions really work? Will they help ordinary people to see outside the box and retain some meaningful control and understanding of what's happening to them? A recent experiment by Ben Green and Yiling Chin from Harvard tried to answer these questions. It looked at how human decision-makers interact with risk assessment algorithms in criminal justice and finance, specifically when making decisions about the pre-trial release of defendants and the approval of loan applications. Now, these are two cases in which the use of AI to assist human workers is already common. Green and Chen created their own risk assessment systems. 
based on some of the leading commercially available models. They then got a group of experimental subjects to use these algorithms to make decisions under a number of different conditions. In one condition, the experimental subjects were just given the raw score provided by the algorithm and asked to make a decision on foot of this. In another, they were asked to give their own prediction initially and then update it after being given the algorithm's prediction. In another, they were given the algorithm's score along with an explanation of how that score was derived and asked to make a choice. And in yet another, they were given the opportunity to learn how accurate the algorithm was based on the real-world results and then modify their reaction to the score as a result. And the question the experimenters asked was, how would the humans react under these different scenarios? Would giving them more information improve the accuracy, reliability, and fairness of their decision-making? The findings were dispiriting. Green and Chen found that using algorithms did improve the overall accuracy of decision-making across all conditions, but this was not because adding information and explanations enabled the humans to play a more meaningful role in the process. On the contrary, Adding more information often made the human interaction with the algorithm worse. When given the opportunity to learn from the real-world outcomes, for example, the humans became overconfident in their judgments, more biased and less accurate as a result. When given explanations, they could maintain accuracy, but only to the extent that they deferred more to the algorithm. In short, the more transparent the system seemed to the worker, the more they were encouraged to exercise their own judgment or rely on their own intuition, and the less accurate, reliable, and fair the overall outcome. It is important, of course, not to extrapolate too much from just one study, but the findings here are consistent with what has been found in other cases of automation in the workplace. Humans are often the weak link in the chain. They need to be kept in check. This suggests that if we want the benefits of AI and automation, we oftentimes have to create an environment that is much like that of the Skinner box, one in which humans can flap their wings, convinced they are making a difference, but prevented from doing any real damage. Welcome, my friends, to the world of techno-superstitionism, a world in which we are forced to adopt odd rituals and habits, explainable AI, transparent AI, to create an illusion of control. Now, in the title of my talk, I promised you five reasons for pessimism about AI in the workplace. But I think what we have here is one big reason that breaks down into five sub-reasons. Let me explain what I mean. The problem of of techno-superstitionism stems from two underlying related problems. First, the lack of understanding or knowledge of how the world, in this case the AI system, works. And second, the illusion of control over that system. These two problems combine into a third, the erosion of achievement. One reason why we work so hard is that we want to achieve certain things. But when we lack understanding and control, it undermines our sense of achievement. We achieve things when we use our reason and our actions to overcome obstacles in the real world. Now, some might say that a human working with an AI system to produce some change in the world might be thought to be achieving something through the combination of their efforts. But this isn't true. Achievement depends critically on what the philosopher Gwen Bradford calls the non-lucky condition. To give an example here, winning the lottery could not be said to be an achievement. It's just luck. But humans inside the AI box are, in a sense, just playing the lottery. 
they cannot meaningfully make a difference to the success of the AI or accurately calibrate their behavior to produce better outcomes when working in tandem with the AI. As a result, the path to achievement is blocked. And this seems to be what happens, even when we try to make the systems more transparent. Related to this, then, is the fourth problem, that in order to make AI systems work effectively, the designers and manufacturers have to control human attention and behavior in a way that ultimately undermines autonomy. Humans cannot be given free reign inside the box. They have to be guided, nudged, manipulated, possibly even coerced, to do the right thing. This, of course, is not unusual. Workplaces have always been designed with a view to controlling and incentivizing certain behaviors. But AI enables a rapidly updating and highly dynamic form of behavioral control. The traditional forms of human resistance to outside interference cannot easily cope with this new reality. This all then culminates in the fifth and final problem. The pervasive use of AI in the workplace, and in society more generally, undermines human agency. Instead of being the active captains of our fate, we become the passive recipients of the benefits of technology. And this is a tragedy because we have built so much of our civilization and sense of self-worth on the idea of agency. We are supposed to be agents of change, responsible to ourselves and to one another for what happens in the world around us. This is why we value the work we do and why we crave the illusion of control. But what happens if that illusion can no longer be sustained? As per usual, I have left the solutions to the very end, to the point in the talk where they just cannot be fully fleshed out. But it seems to me that we face two fundamental choices when it comes to addressing the problem of techno-superstitionism. We can tinker with what's presented to us inside the box. We can add more bells and whistles to our algorithms, more levers and switches. These will either give humans some genuine control over the systems, or at least the illusion of control. But the problem with the former is that it frequently involves trade-offs or compromises to the system's efficacy and fairness. And the problem with the latter is that it often involves greater insults to the agency of the humans working inside the box. This is the solution that most people favor today. But is it really the best way to go? There is, after all, an alternative. We can stop flapping our wings. We can get out of the box altogether. We can leave the machines to do what they are best at, while we do something else. Increasingly, I've come to think that we should be doing the latter, that to do so would be to truly acknowledge the liberatory power of AI. Now, I have to leave it there, but here is where I'm going to give a, just a very brief plug to my new book, Automation and Utopia, which tries to explain why I think we should take that second option. Thank you for your attention.